This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 335. Today, AC and I are going to talk about certificates, containers, and the Microsoft Ignite wrap-up, recorded live November the 14th, 2019. For those of us familiar with ShareGate, we know they've always been about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now that we've all moved to the cloud, like me, you're probably thinking about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-serve environment without worrying about thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, AKA Sprawl. That's why the folks at ShareGate developed ShareGate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 group governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things they create. Their super simple to use in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users we trust, AKA no more Sprawl. Want to get your hands on ShareGate Apricot? Try it free for 30 days at sharegate.com forward slash cloud show. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm feeling good. Back from McKnight, which is nice. So back in Seattle and back into the, it's foggy outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, nice to be out of Ignite. It was great to be there. It was a great show. I had a really good time. It was nice to get back, get some sleep and just kind of start getting back into the routine and realizing how much stuff I had on my plate. That's, I guess that's the bad part. <laughs> yep, I'm in the same boat. This week's been pretty busy. We've got folks in town for an offsite. And then next week, I go to Mexico for a little bit. So R&R, yay! How long are you in Mexico? From the 20th of November to the 30th of November, 10 days. So the rest of November. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So our listeners are going to have to deal with me now for two weeks. Well, not just you, right? We've got some interviews coming up with other people too. So they don't just have to listen to you. Fortunately, I mean, good grief. What would they do? That's true. (laughs) (laughs) We lose our listeners. We did sit down last week at Ignite and we talked to uh, most of our sponsors. We did not get a chance to talk to Raygun. Actually, we talked to half of our sponsors. (laughs) Just say it like that. And we've already played the one from uh, that we did with Ducks. From Avpoint, yep. From Avpoint. We didn't, and then we also sat down with Ryan Duguid from Nintex, which I'll have that one as one of the episodes that comes out while you're uh, chilling on a beach in Mexico. But I love sitting down to talk to him. Actually, I don't feel like I have as much to contribute to the conversation sometimes because he is, I love his insights into what's going on in the business and the current business climate. He does such a, he's got such really good insights and where things are going and observations and stuff that I find that I'm just listening to them. And of course, as a, as a podcaster, when you're interviewing somebody, you're supposed to be listening and at the same time thinking about what that next question is going to be that you, that you have, where you want to go. And um, with him, I have a really hard time. He's, I get so just kind of sucked into the moment listening and thinking about what he said. And then he's done. And I'm like, uh. Yeah, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a fun interview. He's always good to chat to. But yeah, we'll get into some more of what we did at Ignite yeah. a little later in the show. How about you? What have you been up to? You just chilling since you got back? Uh, no. <laughs> I wish. Sadly. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed with work right now. I didn't realize how overwhelmed I was. I'll talk a little bit about it in the news piece, but I'm doing some stuff right now that's related to one of the news things that we're going to go through. And I've just got a ton of writing to do. I knew it was coming. I knew I had to do it. But time just starts to disappear on you a lot faster than you realize it was it, it was going to. And so I'm just kind of, I feel quite overwhelmed right now. It stacks up while you're away, right? Yeah, I'm in the same boat, man. Like, it all stacks up while you're away. That you, you go away to a conference and it's kind of, you get a week of just focusing on the conference and then you come back to 
stuff that you were supposed to do during the week you were at the conference and the stuff you're supposed to do this week <laughs> and uh, you're on a pile of work. I've got two more shows that I'm doing. I'm going to be out of town for two more weeks this year. The first two weeks of December, uh, one in the at SharePoint Fest. and No, yeah, SharePoint Fest in Chicago and the week before that at the European SharePoint Conference in Prague. And knowing that I've got, I'm going to lose two full weeks for conferences, I'm just kind of staring. I feel like I'm staring down the barrel of just like you're running out of time. I'm like, I know. Yeah, fortunately, I have one more trip for the rest of this year and that's it. It's only a day trip though, so other than Mexico. Hey, so this week we are going to get stuck into some news before we get on to talking about our sort of Ignite, end of Ignite experience and things. I'm going to dive into some news. Do you want to kick us off with anything? I do. Excellent. Before we do that, though, why don't we hear from one of our sponsors? Sounds good. Struggling to reproduce problems in your code base? Successful software starts with Raygun. Raygun provides application performance monitoring, unlike anything you've experienced before offering greater clarity around how your software is performing for your customers than any other APM provider. Easily detect and diagnose issues impacting end users and monitor every part of your stack in one place. It's time to get back to building great software instead of fighting it. Start your journey to better software quality. Try Raygun free at raygun.com today. Okay, so we, we were on this binge container thing for a while with the podcast and there's been some pretty significant news this week, actually in the last couple of days, yeah. uh, related to containers. Specifically, Docker Enterprise, which is the, I guess, the commercial side, not the open source side of Docker. And it really is the core of what Docker has turned into being over the last few years. On, what was this, November the 13th? So this was yesterday. Finally, we have good timing on news for us when we record. Docker's been acquired, or Docker Enterprise has been acquired. The entire Docker Enterprise business from Docker has been acquired, is what I'm trying to say. They've been on pretty shaky ground for, I think, like the last couple of years in terms of their viability as a business. Like they've been not entirely sure what their commercial money making model is. I mean, and they focused entirely on Docker Enterprise as that money making endeavor. And, but I just don't feel, and you know, Kubernetes has come along and it really derailed the, their momentum and it sort of threw them all off. And I feel like this is a culmination of a couple of years of pain for that company. And so it looks like they're splitting, basically, they're splitting their commercial operations off and have sold those to Mirantis, who are already in the container game working on OpenStack and Kubernetes. But there is the remainder of Docker left, which will focus on the open source stuff, I think, and including like Docker desktop and all of that sort of stuff as well. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes, though. I mean, because without... I haven't stayed up on top of it as much as I used to, what the whole the state of Docker was. And so I wonder, you know, was Docker Enterprise supposed to be the, the thing that funded a lot of the open source work? And so now when you sell off the thing that funds everything else, the, the main commercial part of the company... How much is left on the open source side? And is it now just kind of a shell of what it used to be? I mean, I kind of took this news a little bit. We have, I have The good stuff that they've got going for, the, the, the stuff left behind is Docker Hub, so the image repository, at repos. and The registry, yeah. They charge for that for companies. So like we buy, we have a commercial subscription to Docker Hub and we use it for certain things, much like Azure Container Registry, right? So they've got some money-making things left over to keep them going. But yeah, it will be interesting to see what they do, how they survive. They raised $35 million in the process as well, which wasn't entirely clear. from the, Apparently from the original press release, they sort of didn't mention the whole, oh yeah, and we raised $35 million 
for the the remainder of whatever doc is left you know the left behind in the process so they must have a plan, otherwise somebody wouldn't give them that money, which I guess we'll see play out over the next couple of years. So the announcement of this whole thing is kind of is interesting. So we got a link to the TechCrunch article, and embedded inside of that article, since when I penned this yesterday, they've updated the article. It looks like they updated it late last night as well. Not only have they sold the Docker Enterprise business, but they also they did not let the media know about this ahead of time before they announced it, which apparently that's not a, a common practice. But... In addition to that, like you said, they also raised $35 million from Benchmark Capital and Insight Partners. Insight's interesting. Insight's one of the companies that is was the main Series A investor for Pluralsight. And then the other thing they've done is they also have replaced the CEO. Again, a third time this year. So the chief product officer, Scott Johnson, is the new CEO. He's the third CEO this year, replacing Rob Bearden, who replaced another CEO back in May of Steve Singh. So um, this is a lot of shakeup over there in the Docker land. Well, obviously, the last CEO was brought in to sell him off, basically. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. It sure seems <laughs> like it, right? Certainly does. Yeah, that's, a, that's pretty interesting. Hey, I've got one here. It's not so much a piece of news, but more of a, an interest article. It is called Exclusive, Inside the Design of Microsoft's HoloLens 2. So you know Microsoft are coming out with a new HoloLens and it's got the front thing and the back thing and it's a bit less clunky and a wider field of view and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. There is a story that's been written behind about the about you know how it's built and it's got like photos of all the prototypes and the story of it, how it all came together and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, all the parts that go into it and some of the design choices and all this sort of stuff. But it's quite a long article, but it's pretty interesting, right? Because you see these things come just sort of pre-packaged, right? And then you, but this sort of really dissects about how it all came about and what went into designing it and everything. Pretty fascinating. Yeah, cool. I don't know. Apparently it, start, it started shipping. Holland's too? Yeah, on the 7th of November. I did not know that. Maybe I'll go out and see if somebody I know wants to buy one so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> It's always good to know a friend with cool gadgets, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got another bit of news here. I'm going to let you take that last container-ish news that we have that have in our notes there because you know more about this than I do. But the one that I'm going to tackle here is a bit of news that this came out at, it was announced at an Ignite session, but it wasn't very visible in my mind. But then they announced it again yesterday. And what I'm talking about here, I'm kind of alluding to too much stuff here, is that the Office 365 group or the Microsoft 365 group, they have announced a new developer certification. It's called the Microsoft 365 Certified Developer Associate Certification. So what this is, this is, in their words, it companies have asked for a way to be able to certify that someone is a certified Microsoft 365 developer. What does that mean? So I've been involved, I've been working with Microsoft a good bit on this for the last six or seven months uh, now. And the idea here is to look at some core pieces of Microsoft 365, and they want to be able to have, a company wants to be able to say that that person is at the associate level. So there's three different levels here. I'm going to talk more about this in a future episode. I, w- I want to get somebody from Microsoft on and, and uh, kind of explain this from their point of view, but I'm, I'll, I'll share with it in my, from my point of view. The way Microsoft Learning works is there's three different levels of like testing. There's like the foundational level, there's the associate level, and there's the expert level. So expert, or yeah, I guess expert's the right word. Expert, well, that's just, we know what expert is. I mean, that's like, you're a master at this stuff. You know this stuff like the back of your hand. A foundational level is someone who is, that's somebody that if you if you knew something at a foundational level, 
you could walk into a customer and you could talk about it at a very intelligent level, but you may not be able to implement it. So you know that I can do this stuff with the graph. I can do this stuff with Teams as a developer. I know Teams, you can build tabs. There's two kinds of tabs you can build. I know that you can do task modules. I know you can do all this other stuff, but you may not be as skilled to be able to do it. The associate level, and I know that you guys are, you guys listening to this are, are probably going to roll your eyes a bit when I say this. The associate level is you should have the experience of someone who's been doing this for about four years, and if I test you, you should be able to get 80% of the questions right. Gotcha. So you may look at this and go, uh, wait a minute, Teams hasn't been around for four years, or SharePoint hasn't been around for four years. I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. But the idea is, is that I should be able, that at the associate level, we should be able to talk to you at that level to understand these things. And so what this first certification is going to do is that it's going to, it's going to test you at the associate level for both Microsoft Graph and what they're calling Microsoft Identity, which really, for our listeners, you guys know that this is Azure AD. Yep. And so you need to understand what these two things are at the associate level. The other things like SharePoint, Microsoft Teams, and Office add-ins, those three things you're tested at at the foundational level. And the reason for that is because when you do a certification like this, you have to publish like a course that goes along with it as well. And there's no way that you could do a course in one week that gets you... Ran- I couldn't take a random person that's a developer and say, you want to do this certification? I'm going to send you through this course in one week and you'll be able to pass the end of the week. There's no way you could do that at the associate level for all five of those things. Gotcha. So we're breaking it up in those ways. My involvement in this is to kind of help formulate what the cert- what the, certific- the certified associate developer is. And then, takes a second. <laughs> You're right there with a hat. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. trying there, man. No worries. And then the other thing that I'm involved in too is helping create a lot of the self-paced learning for Microsoft that is being published up on learn or sorry docs.microsoft.com slash learn. You can also access a lot of this content. Uh, they got a link here, aka.ms slash m365 dev training. And um, we'll have like learning paths and all that stuff. Everything is getting loaded. It says we plan to make the following learning paths and modules available by June 2020. That's what I'm stressed about. <laughs> so when you asked earlier like how you doing? Yeah, I'm swamped. I'm writing three three modules on Microsoft Graph this week. I'm writing two on Identity next week. I've got another Teams one to write. And every quarter, we've got a bunch of content that we're building and, and publishing. So yeah, that's my life of what I've been working on is working on a lot of this content. And it's just, it's it's trickling out. It's coming out. It just takes time to get it all done. And uh, I think it's good. I mean, it's it's I really like how it's coming out. We got, let's see, we have two Graph modules published right now, one Identity module and one one Microsoft Teams module. And we have plans for, I think, a total of five to seven modules each for Graph, Identity, Teams, and SharePoint, and then an intro one for Office add-ins. But they'll, we'll flush that out later. Wow. Yeah I, know, yeah, I might set up the associate one, see how I do. The test is in beta right now. It was available at Ignite last week. Oh, I should have done it then. While you were talking, I logged into my Microsoft certification dashboard to have a bit of a laugh about when I last sat an exam. This is terrible. My first exam was sat on June the 2nd, 1998. Wow, throwback, baby. Implementing a database design on Microsoft SQL Server (laughs) 6.5. Did you do that in high school? Yes, it was actually, I was was eight. Uh, I was doing high school when I was eight. And um, (laughs) then I did... Oh, this is a keeper. Designing and implementing distributed applications with Microsoft VB6. <laughs> distributed apps with VB6. <laughs> What's that even mean? Oh, man. That was pretty interesting. 
designing requirements and defining solution architectures in September 99. I did a bunch in the 90s. And then the next one wasn't until like 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Microsoft SharePoint 2010 application development and then designing and developing SharePoint 2010 applications. That was the last one I did was on October 17th, 2011. So I think it's about time. It's almost 10 years later. I haven't seen the exam itself. I know what you're tested on, but I haven't seen the questions that you get tested on. I'm not allowed to see those things. But I will take it as well once all the content's done. But we're just we're plowing through it. It's a lot of work. If you go to the link that I mentioned earlier, that's in the blog post that I'll have linked in the show notes, aka.ms slash M365 dev training, all the stuff that you see listed on that page, if it's been, if it's tagged as intermediate, if it's a module that's been tagged as intermediate, that's the stuff that I've published so far that I've been asked that I've been working for, I've been building for Microsoft that they've published. Gotcha. You'll see a lot more coming in throughout November and December, or a handful of stuff more coming in November, December, and then you'll see more next year and et cetera, et cetera. It's 80% discount. This is the time for me to fail, right? At least at an 80% mm-hmm. discount. So maybe I should give it a shot. I think looking at these topics or these areas, I think the things that I would really suck at are extending office, because I just doesn't I haven't done a lot of that development work. Myself, like in terms of you know add-ins and all that. Stuff. Well, but remember, you're only going to be tested for add-ins on that. You're only going to be tested at the foundational level. So you just have to be able to speak intelligently about what's possible, not the code, not actually doing it. Oh, okay. Then yeah, I should be all right with that. Identity, I think I'll get that. Okay, extending customized SharePoint, probably. Teams, mm, maybe not. Teams would probably be a bit tough. And extending Office. So Teams, SharePoint, and ident- and Oh, the Associate. That's fundamental, gotcha. And add-ins are the fundamentals. Associate is graph and identity. Okay, gotcha. All right, well, maybe I do have a shot at something. Well, I don't know about that, but... How about I do it? <laughs> How about I do it, and then I teach your sorry ass? That... Oh, there we go. I either do, or I'll eat, eat my hat. There you go. <laughs> Come back on the show and mess up. I'll be halfway, yeah. Oh, God, now I sign myself up. This is terrible. What have I done? <laughs> we should both go do it. We should both go do it at the same time, and we should both report back how we did. Our scores? That's what we should do. That's a great idea. Let's go do that. But what if I fail? This is terrible. This is a bad idea. What if you fail? What about me? What, I'm writing the content. What if I fail? <laughs> yeah, the chances of you failing are a lot lower than me. I got a lot more riding on this. This isn't going to be look good for my customer, too. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, okay, well, <clears throat> let's sign ourselves up for that, and then if we if we suck at it, we'll just pretend we've never talked about it. <laughs> there we go. If you don't if we if you don't hear us come back and talk and follow up with you guys, you'll know what's happened. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, it might take a little while because we're we're flat out doing other stuff at the moment, but we'll, we'll try to get it done. I don't know by early New Year or something. Let's not commit to a time right now. Let's just uh, yeah, good yeah, let's call. Just go. <laughs> let's just go with that. All right. Hey, anyway, back to the news. Yeah. I suppose we better move on. We probably should, yeah. Helm 3, if you are a Kubernetes user or AKS user in Azure, for example, you use Kubernetes, then you will be hopefully familiar with this tool called Helm, which is, it's kind of like an ARM template for your application in Kubernetes, right? You you sort of map out how your application works, like it's what containers are involved, what talks to what, how you want it deployed, what what resources are attached to each of those, those sort of things. And it's a really interesting tool. It's it's you write your sort of your recipe for your application, and then you can apply that recipe and create an instance of that application in your Kubernetes cluster. And so, Helm three has been released. Uh, apparently, it's pretty much a rebuild from what I can tell. They changed a lot about the internals of how it works. 
including the architecture of how it's built and things. It's a fascinating tool. If you're interested in getting into Kubernetes development, uh, it's one of those things that you'll want to take a look at because it's uh, it's very, very helpful. Right, so onwards and upwards. Should we chat with our very friendly at Ignite sponsors and very gracious for giving us interview sponsors and be right back. A 99.9% SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, and maybe even a dinosaur attack. Does it protect you from yourself though? Avpoint Backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery from individual items to entire sites. Avpoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover any time you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why Avpoint is the Microsoft Cloud expert at www.avpoint.com. Are you being asked repeatedly to integrate different business systems in ever narrower timeframes and with increasing process complexity? What if you could standardize the way you build these business processes so your team are focusing on higher value tasks versus the nuts and bolts of running the processes and integrations? Nintex can make it happen. With a Nintex platform, workflows from person to person, system to system, to the cloud and back. Got a custom system you want to connect with? No-code extensions let you plug into systems simply and easily using REST and Swagger. With Nintex, work just flows, so your teams can work smarter, work faster, and be more connected than ever. Try it out free for 30 days at www.nintex.com forward slash try NWC. Cool. So, end of Ignite. We're back at our house. What were your final thoughts, AC? Did you walk away going, eh, oh, like, I mean, sorry, you can't see this because it's a yeah. podcast, but I was giving you the <laughs> thumbs up or the thumbs down or the thumbs halfway. Like, where, where did you sort of land on the Richter scale, so to speak? I thought it was a good show. I liked it and I will go again next year. I recommend it, people going next year. I did find it interesting that in a lot of people I've talked to, both at Ignite and after Ignite, it's been very mixed. There are people who are in the know and they're like, no, I don't see a value in going back there. I totally disagree. I'm also a strong believer of everybody goes to a conference for different reasons and what you get out of it. For me personally, it's to network with some people who I don't normally get to network with. For me, it's also a big piece of it is for the podcast. I think that the biggest negative for me this time, I wrote a blog post about this. I'll go grab it. I'll grab a link to it and put it in the show notes as well. But the biggest thing for me that was a negative, I, I did a good, bad, and the ugly. And the ugly for me was the 45-minute technical sessions. I really dislike those, both from a consumer and from a presenter. I don't think 45 minutes is enough time. I know, me personally, I will not be submitting to speak at a, for a 45-minute session at Ignite next year. I will submit a bunch of theater sessions, but I won't do a, a breakout session in 45 minutes. You just can't, you can't convey enough at that time. Yeah, gotcha. I would have rather seen them cut up the 30-minute break between sessions, make it a 15-minute break, and take the microphones out of the aisles and say, if you got questions, we're going to take those outside in the hallway. The other thing that I would have liked to have seen them do is to take all of the sessions for a, in a specific group and put them in the same section. I get that a lot of people at the conference are there for multiple things, but if you're a Microsoft 365 developer or you're an Azure developer or you're an Azure person, all the Azure sessions should be in the same area. All of the Microsoft 365 dev sessions should be in a single area. All of the Microsoft 365 management or end user or power user or power platform stuff, that should be in a single area. And if it means that you have to jump around for those things, that's fine, so be it. 
But if you've got a Microsoft 365 dev session, then you should at least have a chance to be able to camp out in the exact same room and not have to pack up and try and run somewhere else and, and go to another event and go somewhere else, totally different area. I think that unfortunately, I mean, some conferences do a good job of that. Ignite, I did not think did a good job of that. If that was, if they were trying to, I mean, maybe it's just my experience, but I don't think it, I don't think that rolled out too well, but that was my downside. I really liked the unconference sessions. I liked the theaters and I really liked the hub. I spent the majority of my time at the hub or the expo floor. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. How about you? It's interesting going as part of one of the exhibitors, right? Because you sort of get the the exhibitor experience and then you kind of get the attendee experience separately. As a partner and as a, an exhibitor, I thought it was actually pretty decent this year. Everything went pretty smoothly from our perspective and, and we got great traffic and had awesome conversations with people on the booth. And of course, the, the ROI of these things plays out over a period of time, right? It's really hard to judge on the day whether it was worth it or not. But sort of gut feel says that the quality of conversations, the interest, and those sorts of things was did make it worthwhile. But the proof is always in the pudding, and, and we'll see as that plays out with does it increase business and all that sort of stuff. So uh, from that side, it was it was really good. You know, I didn't go to uh, sessions, so I didn't I didn't really get the full sort of attendee experience. But I thought like walking around, I loved how they did it all, mostly all in one spot this year. Mm-hmm. And you know, one spot. I mean, it was a big spot, right? But like one of the conference facilities, as opposed to having to walk across those bridges and. You know, the early ignites were spread out, right? And the expo was in one area and the sessions were in another. And so from from that perspective, it was pretty good. And then just the, the setup of the event and the the buzz, there seemed to be good buzz. I think I mentioned this in one of our things, but the keynote setup was real goofy. But I kind of liked that Sacha was walking around and doing a few things. But I think from an attendee perspective, most people would say that was kind of a crap experience. Like they, first timers at Ignite, I would love to go to a big show like big room keynote and get all of the the rah-rah and the you know the rubber fingers in the air kind of thing. It's nice to get the big injection of Kool-Aid and I think they've probably missed out on a little bit of that. But um, So yeah, there was a bit of definitely things that worked really well this year and a couple of things I think we would change. But overall, uh, I came away pretty reasonable about the event actually. Yeah. For those of you who were at Ignite, at Microsoft Ignite this past week or two, if you were complaining about the Florida heat, here's the background story for it. The week prior to Ignite, it was hot as hell. It was like 95 degrees. The Friday before Ignite, we got a nice little cold cold front that came through. So it was still warm that week, but it was not nearly as hot as it could be. And literally the day that Ignite was over, I jumped in my car on Friday. I jumped in my car. I drove two hours north and a cold front was coming through. And in the two hours it was in the car, it fell 25 degrees. Wow. I got out of my car. I was in shorts and a t-shirt when I left Ignite. And it was already cooling off. And then I got out of the car. I lived two hours north. I got out of the car two, two and a half hours later. And I was like, holy crap, I was freezing. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know, you bring that up. I would love to see them move it. Nope. I mean, I know it's really convenient for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time you guys came this way for a conference. <laughs> well, yeah, but we've been doing it for the last four years, right? Or three years or whatever it's been. Yeah. I guess it doesn't matter for first timers, right? It's, it's fine, but... I think if you go multiple times, I would like a bit of a change of scene. Mm. Yeah, you'd agree. <laughs> nah, I like it. I like the setup. I like where it is. I like the conference center. I like the hotels are pretty right on top of where the conference is. And they've talked about this in the past too. There's only so many cities that can handle 
that many people showing up. I know San Diego can do it, but San Diego's flight issues also are a pain in the butt where they have a noise ordinance. So your flights have to shut down by a certain time. I don't think Los Angeles, I don't know if it can or can't, but New Orleans can't, is supposed to be able to. Vegas can do it. Atlanta can do it. Orlando can do it. But that many people at a conference? Chicago is supposed to be able to do it, but that was apparently logistics. I didn't notice it being a problem, but apparently logistics in Chicago was terrible. Yeah, that was the first year it was uh, done. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe they didn't have a great experience there. So I don't like Chicago's conference center either. I, I wasn't a fan of... Yeah, that layout's but odd. I don't like Chicago's or Atlanta. And Atlanta's is also the same way. I wasn't a big fan of Atlanta's either. Mm. I like OCC West. I mean, OCC West was a good place for the show. OCC North South was for meals and for the big keynotes. I thought they did a good... I, I liked the way that it was set up. It was pretty reasonable. I'd like them to move it, but hey, you are right. The setup in Orlando is pretty awesome. Hotel options really close by. You could walk outside. It wasn't crazy, crazy hot this year, which I liked. It was nice. And um, and the conference setup's pretty good. Cool. Shall we move on? We shall. Picky time. Let's chat with the sponsors and be right back. CJ's Hyperfish automates the collection of user profile information from users in organizational directories such as Office 365, SharePoint, Active Directory, and HR systems. The secure service supports on-premises, hybrid, and online environments. Bring your directory to life at hyperfish.com. AC's Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. All right, picks. Let's get stuck into it. What do you got for us this week? I got a scary one. So it was decided a little bit ago, can't remember when, but ICANN, the people who are in charge of the domain registry stuff, the domain, uh, the top-level domains, they wanted, I can't remember exactly when this happened, but they effectively let the public interest registry set whatever price it wanted to for the topleveldomain.org. And a private equity capital company has bought it. Ethos Capital bought it. The Internet Society, ISOC, has sold the .org registry, public internet internet registry or public interest registry to Ethos Capital. This gives them a huge endowment rather than worrying about the future of the org domain it holds. But the fact that a private equity company has bought it I would assume private equity companies don't do this in donation. So I'm sure they're going to want to maximize the value of it. What does that mean? I don't know. We'll see, but it's kind of one of those like, I don't think this is good. Yeah, I was like, I don't, this doesn't seem very good. There must be limits around what these guys can do, right? Because you've just sold part of the internet off, basically. You just sold the, what I view as the nonprofit side or the like public broadcasting system. I see that as the, that's what I see this area. So it's kind of like, uh, that doesn't look right. I don't get anybody else being in control of a top-level domain like that other than ICANN. ICANN or a nonprofit or something like that. Or ICANN or Internet Society, ISOC, right, which I guess is managing that. Wow, that's brutal. All right, bummer. I guess we'll see what you? happens there. Uh, <laughs> I've got a more fun bad, one. My bad. Yeah, oh good, because I got a bad, that was a bad pick. This is called The Size of Space. Ooh. And it's this cool website that I found. It's like this it's this website made by Neil Agarwal. Yeah, Agarwal. It's a web page that you go to and you scroll through it 
and it compares the size of different things in space. So it starts with an astronaut, and as you go further and further, it goes space Hubble telescope, space shuttle, and it keeps zooming out and showing you that thing and the relative size between the previous thing and the new thing, right? So, And it just gives you a feel for like, I mean, it goes way, 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 way out. It goes out to like the observable universe, right? And it's sort of like zooming out, zooming out, zooming out, zooming out, zooming out, right from the size of a person all the way out to the planets in our solar system and our solar system and all sorts of stuff. Like, it's kind of mind-blowing. I mean, it goes out past our own planet, Earth. It goes out past asteroids. It goes out past our own moon. It's just really cool. My God, this is really slick. Where are you up to? I'm up to um, Aberdeen. Uh, no, Aldebaran, a red giant star. Oh, yeah. Eagle. It just really, star. it really... Beetlejuice. Um, I got yeah, Beetlejuice, yeah. There's, yeah, it really puts things in perspective because you sort of get a feel for the last thing to the next thing and how big stuff is. There's one, the red giant star, Aldebaran, I think it's Alde- That's where Alderaan? I was on, yeah. Yeah. When I first scrolled past it, I was like, Alderaan? Well, <laughs> I thought they blew that up. <laughs> that's, that's I had just gotten there when you asked me where I was, and so I almost said that. I was like, I thought that was gone. Beetlejuice, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so go take a look at The Size of Space. This is cool. Good find. Yeah, man. Yeah, rock on. Hey, anyway, let's wrap this up. Call it a week. Enjoy the content next week with Ryan from Nintex. And we'll see you again next week. Have fun in Mexico. You can bring me avocado. Will do. And tequila. Bye. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in iTunes. Word of mouth recommendations are the most effective ways for us to grow the show. We'd really appreciate it. If you have a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as an MP3 or WAV file and provide a link so we can play your question on the show. Our theme music is brought to you by Keith Ritchie. For more information on Keith's music, head to music.kritchie.com. You can subscribe to us in iTunes and Google Play Store by searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or via RSS at microsoftcloudshow.com, where you'll also find show notes of each episode. You can also find us on Facebook searching for Microsoft Cloud Show or on Twitter at MS Cloud Show. And finally, sign up for our mailing list by heading over to our website and entering your email to interact with us, participate in upcoming interviews, and other cool stuff. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.